0: This is the podcast by The Straits Times.
1: Hi, welcome to Health Check, a podcast series by The Straits Times. I'm Joyce Teo, a senior health correspondent with the paper. Our topic today is online pornography addiction. It's something that people may not want to talk about, but it is a growing problem in today's world where young people can easily assess porn via the internet. Compulsive consumption of porn affects the viewer, his or her relationships, and society. Viewing pornography can become a lifelong addiction. There is a need to protect children from being hooked on online porn. And with that in mind, I've invited Andrew DeRosa, an addiction psychotherapist who specializes in sex addiction at Promises Healthcare, to tell us more about online porn addiction. Well, online porn use has increased further now that the pandemic is forcing people around the world to stay home more. Hi,
2: Andrew. Welcome to the program. Thanks, Yes. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm so glad you invited me.
1: Glad to have you here with us today. Can you start by giving us a sense of, you know, how big the problem of online porn addiction
0: is?
2: There are no published statistics in Singapore on porn prevalence at all. Uh, I assist clients with uh, addictions to uh, sexual behavior, compulsive sexual behavior, which includes porn. And the increase there um, is very marked. Uh, from about uh, February all the way through to today, <clears throat> the increases have been in excess of 30%. Um, and it's been an increase month over month. So I thought perhaps there'd be a slowing down of clients in October and November, but that's not been the case. Uh, the acceleration continues.
0: How old are your clients on average?
2: Uh They range. So um from... Uh, the, the teens, of, you know, 13, 14-year-olds, all the way up to 70-year-olds, uh, it's a big range.
0: When does it qualify as an addiction?
2: Yeah, well, with all addictions, it's the same thing. You know, how much distress do I feel around doing this behavior? Have I tried to stop and I just keep doing it, even though I've made, um, made, a, made an effort, every effort to stop? Uh, how much has it affected my um, my emotions? How much has it affected my uh, biology, for example, erectile dysfunction and, uh, and uh, those kinds of problems? Um, how much has it uh, ruined my uh, my family life, uh, my partner relationship with my partner, uh, work colleagues, and so on? Has it resulted in me losing a job? Has it resulted in a criminal? Uh, prosecution and so on. So it's how much disruption it's caused with my life. That's that's the measure.
0: Among your clients actually you mentioned there are some as young as fourteen and fifteen. I mean that's that's pretty young actually. You know, how did they get exposed to it and then you know how did they um you know come to the stage where they have to seek help.
2: So the the difficulty in Singapore is the high speed internet. So around about two thousand one, two thousand two the high speed internet came in and um, has since high-speed internet has um, the majority of its traffic uh, porn-related. And children now as young as seven or eight, uh, perhaps six, who are given a mobile phone or a tablet um, might be looking at games and the gamers uh, might have attached to them some links to to porn or to um, soft porn or something. And they uh, tick on or Click on those links, and then they would see some porn. If they have mm-hmm. access to the internet, then they'll have access to porn. What can we do about this, then? The most obvious one for parents is to buy porn-blocking and tracking software, uh, and mm-hmm. there are lots of software out there. The most popular here in Singapore seems to be Net Nanny. So Net Nanny mm-hmm. is some software that you download onto electronic devices. And there's a security pass, and if the parents hold the security pass, then the Software itself will block out porn. Um, it will also it can also uh, track what um, your son or daughter is looking at, so you can keep an eye on what they're looking at. Um, and there's various softwares doing various things, but um, they all do roughly those those two things. The other aspect of it is really education. Um, the trouble is that schools tend not to give age-appropriate sex education, so children don't learn through different grades, all the way up through school in age-appropriate language, Um, age-appropriate sex, sensuality, and intimacy. So they learn what they can about uh, sex from the Internet, which, of course, is porn, which is not real life. It's extremely unhealthy um, and extremely damaging. Uh, So sex education in schools and with uh, parents uh, using appropriate materials to uh, teach children Throughout their, their childhood, you know, this at every level as they grow up, there's age-appropriate information that should be disclosed to them that they can talk about. That's that's a big one, and that would be very helpful.
0: That's sex education, right? You yeah. think? I mean, should parents talk to their children about porn?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's extremely important for parents to talk about um, online porn and the access to online porn and why it's so damaging, um, why it's not real life. You know, form will change a child's brain. you know they're at a stage where their brain uh, is is developing, so it's very it's got a lot of plasticity as we say in the neuroscience business. at
0: what age do you think parents can start talking to them about all this?
2: Well, I think um children get curious uh, sexually curious from about four or five so it's lots is available to parents online to teach their children at age appropriate levels in other countries it's recognized as an extremely um important health crisis, uh, mental health crisis, uh, the prevalence of porn, and this uh, phenomenon of uh, young people um, who don't want to have sex with another person, but they find all their needs met just using porn. Uh, There's even a fear, for example, there are are studies showing there are large groups of men who actually fear uh, having a relationship with a woman. Heterosexual men. Uh, and so there is this, um, abhorrence of normal sexual behavior, normal sexual, um, attraction and, and the normal courting ritual, which is a, which is a public health crisis. Some figures in, um, in Japan, well, it's a bit old now, five or six years ago, show that 30% of uh, men between the ages of uh, 18 and 25 don't want to have relationships with women. And prefer porn and robots. And that those studies have been um, replicated in the UK and in the US, showing similar things. So it is a public health crisis.
0: How does it, uh, porn affect you know, young minds then? you mean, if they are only, what, 8, 10, 12, and you know,
2: the right. age? So, to some extent, with a very young age, we're all hardwired around sexuality, sensuality, uh, and sex. Uh, libido is hardwired in us, so it arises in a developmental way over over years over time. Um, but it begins very early. Uh, an exploration, sexual exploration, begins hardwired in us very early. Uh, it's such an important part of um, survival uh, that um, evolution has um, encoded our brain pretty firmly, just as it has with um, with mammals, other mammals and sentient beings to reproduce, to carry our genes forward. So the sexual wiring, if you like, starts very young and develops over time. Men's brains tend not to, and just generally men's brains tend to complete development at about 25 years old, roughly if say, and women slightly younger. But it's developing all that time, all the way through up to that uh, 25 age, age range. Now, the trouble with porn is it totally disrupts all that, um, uh, natural wiring—it it completely hijacks it. Um, in the natural world, we would connect with a real person. It wouldn't be pixels on a the screen. There would be an actual person, um, and there would be an actual dialogue back and forth. It wouldn't be a one-way situation where I'm just absorbing and receiving. Um, so, sex is, in and of itself, a connecting uh, human experience between people. Uh, but On the internet totally hijacks that. It becomes a single experience uh, with pixels. Um, And it's a, it's a fantasy world. It's not real. And our brains don't know that difference. And the brain gets hijacked and accustomed to those images. And they want, it brain wants to see more and more of those images and more and more anxious images, images that may be even disgusting because the brain then gets used to and accustomed to those disgusting images and wants even more disgusting images. And it goes down this terrible rabbit hole.
1: Now, if you like what you're hearing so far, do subscribe to Health Check on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts or Spotify. Now, back to our conversation with Andrew DeRosa, an addictions therapist with Promises Healthcare.
0: Right. So for these people who actually, you know, who come and seek help, right, how are they treated? Is it the same as, you know, the other addictions?
2: Um, well, yes and no. I mean, there are definite parallels. Um, but there are really two kinds of people in a way. I mean, this is not well-researched, so this is just my own clinical observation. But clinically, um, myself and my colleagues observe there are two categories, if you like, of people. Um, one is the category of person who has no other addiction, who really has no other comorbid disorder, depression, anxiety, or um, schizophrenia, or bipolar disorder, or anything like that. Um, they don't. Um, they don't really have compulsivity in other parts of their lives. They don't have any childhood trauma. Uh, they, their childhood was recently fine. Um, their health is good, and so on. Um, but they fall down the rabbit hole of porn addiction. So there's that group. So porn just seems to be their exclusive problem. And then there's the other group that have more of the profile of the classic person with addiction drugs or alcohol or smoking or whatever so they would have um the presentation of comorbidity they might be quite depressed people might have quite a lot of anxiety even before they were used that uh, they might uh, have um past trauma in their childhood there may be adverse childhood events and they might be comorbid with other kinds of addictions like gambling or um, smoking and alcohol and so on so there's those kinds of clients um as to the, the first group where it's exclusively porn, um, the treatments are slightly different because those, the, that group of clients, um, their needs are to just get off porn. If they can just stop watching porn, their brain will go back into, uh, into balance again. They will recover. So it's just a question of, um, of how they can find the motivation and continue the motivation to stay away from porn. And that's it. The other group, though, is much more problematic. Just stopping porn is not going to solve their problems. It's going to solve their, um, their mental um, distress uh, or physical distress. So so those are two different groups. Uh, in both cases, um there are recovery groups um, like uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, but it's called Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous, uh, which is a fellowship of men and women doing a 12-step program. They're not therapists or anything, but they're people helping each other recover through a, a structured 12-step program. And there's uh, Sex uh, Addicts Anonymous, Sex Pollux Anonymous, which is more of a Christian fellowship, but again, 12-step. Um, there's also um uh, relapse prevention plans, trying to figure out what the triggers are, trying to figure out how to address those triggers as they arise. For the, the porn-only category, they would probably recover well with just those early um, tools to just stop using porn. There's self-harm and suicide ideation. You know, those have to be addressed up front. So it's a lot mm-hmm. more complicated.
0: And the issues that you have uh, that this affects children. Have you seen it in your clients? Do you have any yeah. actual examples to share?
2: Young adults who come into the clinic uh, have a lot of difficulty with relationships. A lot of difficulty holding eye contact, of knowing how they feel or what they feel, knowing what uh, they want out of life. Knowing what is a meaningful, purposeful, life for them. Uh, they tend to have very few interests, very few friends if any, uh, secret themselves away in the bedroom, um, and are pretty aggressive if people try to interfere in their, uh, in their space. Um, they live very, um, stark lives, um, not achievers and with little ambition. Um, they tend to not to uh, keep jobs, so if they do keep jobs, they're relatively underworked, you know, they have a lot of time on their hands, which they might split between porn and gaming, but ultimately have rather meaningless, purposeless uh, lives. And these are young people, you know, should be at their prime with lots of motivation to succeed and a lot of um, great ideas about what they'd like to achieve, and what kind of person they'd like to be. But instead, their lives are cut short by this addiction. The thing about porn is that it's a fundamentally dislocating uh, addiction intimacy. It really gets at the heart of what intimacy is about between humans. In a way, gaming is pernicious, but it doesn't get at the heart of this, what makes us human, which is um, intimacy and relationships.
0: So what advice would you have for you know somebody who's maybe worried about being addicted to porn?
2: Definitely get advice, get help, go online. Um, there are very good websites. Uh, no FAP, N O F Freddy A P. No FAP is a great website. Um, Your Brain on Porn is a great website. Um, uh, the um, uh, Fight the New Drug. These are great websites that help people understand the nature of porn and understand how to um, how to disrupt this um, this habit, this uh, compulsivity. And there are people, and those groups do have uh, blogs, and they do have groups. We're helping. The other place to go is Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous, and they can simply be googled, and you can get into a, a Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous meeting. And go through twelve steps and have a sponsor, or go to someone who's trained in um, in sex addiction therapy, like myself, um, and get some advice, get some resources, and get some encouragement to try and find recovery.
0: Right. Thanks very much for your time today, Andrew. That was fantastic helping us understand this topic.
2: Great. It's a pleasure. Thank you.
1: Well that's a wrap for Health Check. We hope you liked this episode on online porn addiction. That was Andrew De Rosa, an addictions therapist with Promises Healthcare. And I'm Joyce Teo, senior health correspondent with the Straits Times. Thank you for listening.
0: That was an SBH podcast by the Straits Times